Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here is your host and creator of the show, Known Wells. Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of Yumi Empathy. Let's get into this episode by singing a song that I'm going to make up here on the spot. I'm going to call it the Feely Human Song. We are feely humans. We love things. Those things are hearts and empathy and compassion. We lead with our hearts. We like to feel. We're not afraid of feelings. We love feeling. We love it. It's the greatest thing. I can't sing, but that's okay. I'm going to be kind to myself. My dog is looking at me weird. I don't care what he thinks. He loves me. I give him treats. It's the feely human song. I'm a feely human. You're a feely human. Feely humans for the win. But I don't care about winning or losing. It's just about being, right? Because we're feely. Okay, I'm sorry about that. You guys... Feely Humans, it's episode 58. Thank you to everyone for uh, the nice messages about last week's one-year anniversary celebration. We released three episodes. If you haven't listened to those, go back and do it. They were fantastic. I had guests like Rukmini Padar and Corey Stamper and Laura Donaldson and David Grabowski and Eric Zimmer and Sarah Jicklin and Katie Hilliard and Jordana Ream and Shannon Strucci wonderful feely humans, all of them. So go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't. Today's episode is with my friend Courtney Blanton. Courtney is the co-founder of the Hi How Are You Project. We talk about medication stigma. We talk about healing through education and the origins of the Hi How Are You Project. If you're not familiar with uh, the sort of history of indie rock or indie music, really, You may not know a name, Daniel Johnston, but I certainly know him. He's been uh, making music for decades, and his first album is called Hi, How Are You? And he's an Austin-based musician who has mental illness. Um, I think he has uh, some schizoaffective disorder. Uh, I'm not 100% certain. I didn't look that up before this, and I should know it, and I feel shame now. But he is a beautiful musician. I got to see him live once, open for Neutral Milk Hotel. And uh, he's fantastic, and he uh, he's being supported by the Hi Hawaii Project, which is this project that Courtney and Tom co-founded that uh, does uh, inspires new conversations around mental health, and 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 funds and creates sort of thoughtful media and projects and events um, uh, created in support by the Dan- by Daniel Johnston himself and his family. And just provides a platform uh, for exchanging ideas and education on mental health and well-being. It's fantastic. Uh, go check it out at HiHowAreYou.org. And uh, one thing that's very exciting is Hi How Are You Day. It's a celebration on January 22nd. Uh, it, it's in Austin, Texas. Texas. And uh, there's going to be a concert. And 
amazing bands like Yola Tango is going to be there and the Flaming Lips and Built to Spill. I love Built to Spill. Um, so if you're in, if you're in the Tex Austin Texas area or just Texas vicinity, go check that out. Go to HiHowAreYou.org uh, to learn more about that. Uh, specifically for Hi How Are You Day, um, you can find that by going to HiHowAreYou.org, uh, and it's there on the homepage. So like I said, Flaming Lips, Built the Spill, Yola Tango, Bob Mould, The Black Angels, Gavin DeGraw, The Moth and the Flame, Bob Schneider. Uh, it's all a benefit for the Hi How Are You Project. It's being held Tuesday, January 22nd at ACL Live at the Moody Theater in Austin, Texas. Uh, go check it out. And and they have some great uh, cool swag over at Hi How Are You Project, uh, HiHowAreYou.org. Go, get involved, support uh, a beautiful thing that Courtney and Tom are doing. Uh, last thing I'll say on that is, and I'll, I'll post about this on Instagram and, and, and uh, the website, is uh, we're going to do a little giveaway. Um, we're going to give away a Hi How Are You t-shirt and a uh, Hi How Are You pin. So uh, learn more about that, or don't learn more about that. Uh, you'll see more about that very soon. Um uh, on Instagram or the website. So go check out Instagram at Yumi Empathy, Twitter at Yumi Empathy, and look out for that little giveaway. That's fun. Thanks to Courtney for, for uh, doing that. Okay, you ready to get into this episode? I'm not quite ready. Uh, you know, it's 2019, and I would really love to see more iTunes reviews. So if you can go over to iTunes... Open up iTunes, do a search for Yumi Empathy, and uh, go over to the reviews and uh, click leave a review and leave a leave an honest review. I don't even care if it's critical. Just 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 be honest with your heart and uh, leave a review about the show. Because the more reviews we get, the more uh, potential uh, new ear holes are listening to the show, which is an important show, right? I think so. I think people should listen to it. And I appreciate your feely hearts, feely humans. So thank you for that. And without further ado, let's get into it. This is episode 58 with Courtney Blanton on medication stigma, healing through education, and the origins of the High Hawaii Project. Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of Yumi Empathy is to talk openly about... I screwed that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's try that again. Okay. 
The intent of Yumi Empathy is to talk openly, without judgment, about our neuroses, our mental illnesses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being human. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am overjoyed to chat with interior designer, Austinite, and co-creator of the Hi, How Are You project, Courtney Blanton. Hello, Courtney. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, and good question. <laughs> how are you? Very, very well. We, we, are, we are getting... Um... You know, to the end of the year, and that means that we're getting closer to Hi, How Are You? Right. Our big event that happens January 22nd. I guess our first event was this year, and then now our second event is this, is uh, 2019. So Exciting. Yeah. Now, we're going to get all into Hi, How Are You and the project and the foundation and, and sort of the origin stories of that today, uh-huh. but uh, let's, let's do an emotional check-in. We always kind of start the show with just... Have you been lately? How how's your day going? How's your week been? Um, interestingly, my um, I have not been well. Um, I've talked to you about this, and um, and I love that you and I get to have these conversations because um, we both, as we know, we've talked in the past about how we share very similar stories. And um, my depression and anxiety has not been well. And I think that's probably because some, um, situational, but some seasonal and, um, you know, and I've been dealing with that and maybe some hormonal as well. Mm, Yeah. I really, I think a lot of us can relate to the, especially the seasonal part of, I mean, you know, someone with depression, anxiety, obviously the anxiety on the sort of yeah, this time of year is certainly uh, one that we can all relate to in terms of the stress, the high anxiety, the familial pressures, the, you know, challenging of our, you know, self-care uh, uh, boundaries. <laughs> um, and, and then certainly the seasonal aspect of depression, it, it's maybe darker for longer periods of time, that sort of thing. So, I, I'm, I relate to that pretty deeply. Yeah. Yes. And what, what, what kinds of things are you doing to try to combat that stuff? Well, um, you know, one of the, it's, as you know, it's been a long journey and, um, I try different things all the time, but for me, um, what the most important thing that I've done for myself is to become really well-informed and part of that being well informed um, comes in the way of diet and exercise and learning about um, my genealogy, um, learning about my hormone, um, my hormone levels. I have a thyroid condition. So um, I think it's making sure that you're keeping up to date and being well informed about um, what's going on with you. It's not about your head, it's right. about your stomach. You know, it's your gut, it's your gut health. Um, you know, I can't eat gluten. Uh, I ate gluten at Thanksgiving and it put me out for two weeks. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, it just depresses me. It makes me really foggy and, you know, does 
silly things to my body, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not celiac, but I, I do know that when I don't have gluten, I'm in a much better place. Um, you know, and then, and then thyroid, um, I have to make sure that my hormones are in, in, in place. And, um, then about this time of year, sometimes I have to up, up my dose and my antidepressants. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Uh, do you mind saying what antidepressant you're taking? I'm taking Fetzema and, um, I'm glad you asked that because, um, I want to start uh, encouraging people to, I had a really wonderful doctor in Los Angeles who um, helped me with my hormones, but she also helped me with, um, you know, helping me get to the right medication because I've been trying so many medications in my life um, and certainly feeling shameful about that and trying to not take medication and, you know, back and forth and you know how it goes, the, the, um, (laughs) that fun, that fun tennis match. Um, (laughs) But, you know, she turned me on to this genealogy thing, which um, it's a very simple test. Unfortunately, doctors don't rec- like they don't offer it up. I don't know why. I mean, you have to ask for it. Hmm. Um, but it will tell you what medication your body metabolizes. So, so I've heard of this. Like what? Yeah. Like how do you facilitate? How do you go and what do you ask for? It's a gene. It's called a genealogy test. There's okay. um Mayo Clinic uh, recommends one, and then um, I can't remember the name of it. I had it up. I actually had it up for a friend. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, so the idea is that uh, they Gene can, Sight is what it's called. Gene Sight? Uh-huh. Gene Sight. Okay. And the, and the idea is that they can more sort of closely target what medication is right for you based on your genes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and and the great thing about 23andMe and everything that's coming out about genealogy is that we're really getting dialed into our our real our real makeup, you know, um, and certainly ancestral makeup and that sort of thing. But also, what really is going on with you? Um, I've been studying up a lot, and I have it, the gene. It's called MTHFR. Um, I won't I won't tell you what I what I call it. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the motherfucker gene. <laughs> I have that gene too, Courtney. Yes, I know. I would imagine that you would. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, and, and with that gene comes um, PCOS for women, um, typically. And so, and what's anyway, PCOS? I, I call, I, a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, yeah. So it's just, a, you know, MTHFR, the motherfucker gene kind of fucks up a lot of things in our life. Um and it's uh, it's something that I've been paying close attention to, and um, you know, with that, I don't know if you're taking it, but I I take folate and I take B12. Um, so those are two things that if you do have that MTHFR gene that you can find out if you have through 23andMe, um, I highly recommend you know those two things. Yeah, I I was taking some folate, and it was messing with my stomach. Are you taking methylfolate? Methylfolate, yeah. 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 I was messing yeah, I was messing with your stomach. Yeah, a bit. Um I might need to try to find just like a, a like a B vitamin that 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 helps me cuz um yeah, I I need that too. Has has this like I I love the the like I think you're right I, in terms of like we have to take control of our health and 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 one way of doing that is is education is learning 
But of course, like, I think the stumbling block for a lot of us sometimes is just the overwhelm of it all. Um, sure. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm 42 and I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Like, how how did you get there? Like, um, let's maybe back up a little bit. I, yeah. I kind of want to understand, like, your first interactions with, you know, recognizing your mental health, your depression. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious about that sort of origin story for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an intense one. It was it was certainly situational. But um, I guess as a kid, I always had these um, moments of depression, and I would cry for no reason. And you know, when you're a woman, or you're becoming a woman, certainly your your hormones are kind of going wackadoodle. But um, it was just it was just different for me. I, I had something going on. But then when I got to college, um, and I already and I I had always had stomach issues, and certainly no doctor ever told me that um, about the gut and um, brain relationship. And I don't even know if they knew. Um, but when I was in college, um, my parents were getting a divorce. It was really hard for me um, to be going through college, trying to be normal. Um, you know have fun with my friends and go to class and just, you know, do the college thing. And I, I slipped into a very deep, dark depression and my mom noticed it and made me go see someone and thank God she did because I was not well. Um, and they immediately put me on, Bro on Prozac and Prozac really did save my life. Um, I was very suicidal and, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I was just, I wouldn't leave my room. My, my grades were certainly failing and that sort of thing. And then when I did get the Prozac, I was very embarrassed by it. You know, this was back in 94, yeah. 95. Um, and uh, I had it, you know, I just, I hid it in an Advil bottle in the bottom of my drawer. Mm. Um, so nobody would know that I was taking an antidepressant, that there was something wrong with me. Right, <laughs> yeah. And wait, like, obviously this was, you know, some time ago, but, did you, was it just a cultural understanding that you would be judged by it? Or is it, did you hear things? Like what, what, were, what was going through your mind in, in terms of the hiding of it? I don't know. It's, it's really interesting because you just didn't talk about that sort of thing. And, um, and I don't remember or, or can, can't recall um, why that was, but I just know that, that it was. You know, it, it was, it was, it was in our culture. It was that way. And yeah. especially being in Texas, you know, and mm. being, um, there's a, there's a different kind of tradition and everybody's just nice, you know, and, and you don't necessarily know what's going on. You know, it's, it's truly about asking, hi, how are you? But not really meaning it. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody's just brushing by. Um, so it's so fascinating to me because like, I ask that question a lot and I try to get to the, like, what what made you feel the shame of it? What made you feel like you had to hide it? Because I felt that too, Courtney. Yeah. yeah and it's course. like, it's hard. It is hard to pinpoint. And I do think it's just, it's just what society was at that time, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Like it, it doesn't, and it's amazing, like in retrospect, we're like, why, you know, why couldn't we, you know, buck the trend and start talking about it? You know, like hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's it is it is fascinating to me how how we can fast forward twenty years and now 
we are talking about it more openly. I mean, I think there's still work to be done, but I, I guess that's progress. Yeah, no, it is. And and I find that young people, even though suicide is, is really up right now, um, especially among young women, um, I do find that they're, they are talking about it openly. And that makes me really happy. Um, what I would like to see more of is that people are talking about it like diabetes, or they're talking about it like, you know, heart disease, or, you know, it's, it's something that is it's just your body doing whatever your body's doing and you can correct that. You know, you can work on that. If you had heart disease and you were eating hamburgers every day, (laughs) um, your doctor may tell you to stop eating hamburgers and take a certain medication, um, you know, and and get on a diet or, you know, do exercise or whatever, but they don't really, you know, doctors, if you go personally, if I go to uh, a gastroenterologist um, because of my stomach issues, they'll give me a pill because they want you to leave with a um, with a solution. You know, they always want to leave. They want to le- leave you having felt like you were something went right yeah. with that meeting. You know, right? And um, and it's usually in the form of a pill. And I don't think that we we don't get to the bottom of what it really is in our body, like what's really happening. And how do we do that? Is it, is it more questions? Is it more curiosity? Is it, is it? I think it's just getting really interested, you know, as opposed to just feeling that, you know, there's, there are no answers. There actually are answers out there and we're finding out more and more, um, all the time. Um, it's just getting interested and, um, getting interested in your body. I mean, there's so many, um, you know, the 23andMe, you know, just I was talking about the MTHFR and uh, PCOS. You can find that out really easily if you know what to look for, you yeah. know, um, if you just do the research. And there's so many great books out there. Um, I'm trying to think of this one that um, that we've been reading lately. Oh, my gosh, I can't think of it. I'll get back to you about it. Sure. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many really great books out there. Um, you know, I've, I've, one of the books actually I'm reading right now is called The Medical Medium. I don't know if you've heard about this guy. No. Tell me um, all about it. He uh, believes that we, you know, it's kind of like, um, oh, what's the word for it? Um, anyway, he, he believes that we all have Epstein-Barr in our body and like something traumatic happens in your life to bring it forward. Huh. Um, so I'm starting to read into it and I, I think it's just it's highly, highly interesting. He He claims to be... Um, to have the spirit that talks to him to tell him what's wrong with people. For instance, he uh, told his grandmother when he was five years old that she had lung cancer. And in fact, she did. Um, She didn't know it at the time, but he told her and and she went and got checked out. And actually she had lung cancer. Wow! So he's able to read, um, read people. And, you know, the spirit has also told him about how to correct that you know how to how to uh, work through that, but the the one commonality and as and as all I guess is this Epstein bar, um, and and something happens in your life that's traumatic and and it gets like inflamed and it hides in your body and different and your liver and in your spleen and it it um, you know manifests itself in different ways. So that it's it's really interesting. I'll let you know more. <laughs> yeah, have you have you read the number one most cited book on this podcast, uh, "The Body Keeps the Score"? Um, you know that's on my list. 
You got it is on my list. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's really all about how we hold trauma in our bodies. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. When Courtney, when you, you know, went to therapy, um, or let me backtrack. Like, so you, you were prescribed Prozac, uh, and then what happened? How, how did that make you feel? Were you going to therapy at that time? Were you starting to open up about your mental health? No, not at all. Um, in fact, I, I hid it from everybody, including my family. Um, because, uh, you know, I was supposed to be kind of the golden child and make it, make it in life. (laughs) But didn't your mom, um, um, wasn't your mom the one that, uh, sort of uh, encouraged you to go? Yes. And the funny thing is, is that I still hid it from her. Hmm. You know, I didn't want to talk about it. It wasn't, um, I, I just was never the kind of kid that wanted to talk about stuff like that. Yeah. And so I didn't. And uh, I only stayed on the Prozac for four months and it really helped me a lot. And then I went, I, you know, I graduated from college eventually and um, I went to San Francisco and I fell into another deep, dark depression. And I tried taking Prozac again and this time it didn't help. Mm. And it was, it was grueling. Um, and I think, you know, my, my therapist or psychiatrist tried to put me on something else and that didn't work. It gave me like terrible side effects and can't remember what it was. Um, but for years I went through, you know, this up and down and trying to be sober, trying to, you know, do meditation, try to, you know, I tried so many different things and and not take medication, but, um, because some of the side effects were so terrible. Um, so finally, when I did come to the right person, uh, this doctor that I met when I was around 35, 36, um, who was the one that told me I had a thyroid condition. Um, she was also the one that gave me the genealogy test. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, since I was, you know, in talking about when did I start talking about it was, uh, it was this, it's called a landmark education and it's, um, I don't know. They call it like self-expression and leadership. And so they, they believe that you cannot be fully self-expressed unless you deal with your past and just kind of let it go. Um, and, uh, and part of that is like reaching back and seeing what those skeletons are about. And the skeleton for me was this medication, you know, something in the form of a, of a pill (laughs) Hmm. that I was, that I would take or not take. Um, because of society, uh, what society tells me to do or not do, or that I'm not normal, you know, something's wrong with me. So, um, you know, I dealt with that and, and landmark and I decided, you know, I talked to my teacher on the side about it. Um, and he was like, Courtney, you know, if you, you know, the age old, if you had diabetes, would you take insulin? You know, if you had heart disease, would you take medication? And I said, I would. Um, and he said, would you talk about it? with people. And I said, sure, like that seems normal, Yeah, but this isn't. And he's like, it is. He's like, your body is actually just doing something. It's doing whatever it's doing. Right. And you're taking medication for it. That's, that's all. Yeah. And I said, yeah, like I got, I totally got that. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, now go advocate. And, um, so I, I, I crawled a little bit for a while and talked 
started talking to friends and family a little bit here and there about it. And they were sad for me that, that I had struggled for so long and not talked about it. And then, um, you know, eventually I, I ran and now I'm, you know, now I'm, I don't want to say Lance Armstrong, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, in a way I am, you know, it's kind of my superpower. And, um, I, uh, I'm proud to deal with what I have, you know, and it, and it's okay. And it's, and I, and I acknowledge it, you know, I acknowledge it. I talk to friends about it. Like, it's like, like I've got a headache, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like that. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously there's so much, uh, power and relief and, uh, and growth and insight in, in vulnerability. What, describe that experience for you like you for for you know most of your life uh were hiding that stuff you were you were keeping it in and it yep. was it was destroying you I, and i relate to that very much yeah describe like those maybe those first conversations who did you go to what did you say did you just say i'm struggling did, were you ever met with any pushback or or skepticism you know the first person i i told was my boyfriend at the time and um he he was somewhat accepting and um i i think he was accepting you know for the most part um i don't think he totally got it though uh which is why i'm not with him anymore (laughs) but um you know there that was that was the hardest conversation I ever had in my life, and I, I can't tell you why it was. I mean, it just was. You know, you 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 hide all these years, and you hide medication from people that you love, and you know, you keep yourself from those people. It was made made me a wreck. But I yeah. also felt like there was something terribly wrong with me, and if anybody were to find out that, you know. You know, my cover was, yeah, rejected, you know, my cover would be blown and they would, yeah, certainly reject me. Do you struggle with, um, the feeling that you don't deserve love? (sighs) That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I do. Yeah. I recently, and I just posted about this on Instagram. I recently, you know, I, had an experience where I was, uh, you know, playing a board game with some friends and halfway through I shut down and sort of, I've been trying to unpack what that's all about. And I'm realizing that it's, it's, it's this feeling that I don't deserve love. I don't deserve good things. And I, and once I start like enjoying an experience, I don't want people to see that. Um, and so I'm I'm working on that, uh, but I'm just wondering if you can relate to that any of that. Well, yeah, you just like totally like blew <laughs> blew my mind. Um, yeah, I mean I'm in a I'm in this amazing relationship with this fabulous man right now, and he loves me every like every piece of me. Um, you know I fart, and he thinks it's the the sweetest, funniest thing, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) his farts are funny. His farts are, yeah, his farts are funny. Um, but you know, it's like, I, I, 
I try to um, sabotage it, you know, and and then I and then I'm like, okay, there's that thing again, you know, and um, and I have to really acknowledge it and acknowledge what's happening because I can't imagine being with anyone else but this man who loves me so very, very much. Um, you know, it's like we 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 spend our whole lives um, sabotaging. Yeah, you know? and and you. You know, for me, it's part of my, it was part of my identity, right? This, the way I related to my family, feeling, feeling uh, misunderstood, feeling like I had to be the caretaker emotionally, feeling like I had to hide. Like these, these are like core components to my identity. And, um, but I have to learn, and I think we all do that, like, that's how I related to that experience. And those are valid. If others aren't seeing that, if others don't accept it in that way or validate it in that way, like that's, that's not on me. I can't control that. Yeah. And I need to let go of that and let in the light and still, I can still recognize that those experiences were valid. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I get the feeling I like, you know, it's like, it's almost like this, you, you hold on to it for dear life because it's, it's just this core part of your identity, you know? Yeah. 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 You feel not deserving. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so recently I chatted with a friend, uh, Aaron Smith. We talked about, um, he had mentioned something about how society is, you know, nowadays a bit more accepting of things like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called them the safe mental illnesses. And <laughs> and I thought that was interesting. And he is someone who is bipolar too. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, my brother, schizophrenia. Okay, how do you feel about like this idea that society is a bit more accepting of things like depression, and anxiety, and not of some of the more mania involved mental illnesses yeah again you're blowing my mind but um (laughs) of course because we you know you and i are are saturated in this and um you know we um we just worked with nami to do this card um that's on our website on org, um and it's our friendly frog program but i i i did this because i wanted people to understand how to have a conversation and not just with people with depression and anxiety, it's people across the board, you know, mm-hmm. anything that you're going through, um, whether you're dying of cancer or you've got dissociative disorder, um, you know, there's a proper way to have a conversation and it really is about validation and it's about listening. Um, it's about being in the right space at the right time. Um, and not even at the right time. It's about getting to a safe space and having those conversations. Um, and, and then checking in again. Yeah. So, you know, there's, um, I'm sure you've heard about this. There was this NPR, um, show that I was listening to one day and it's this, it's like the, it's like this little town in the Netherlands or somewhere. And they, um, encourage people with mental health issues to come and live in this town. And, you know, at Starbucks, it'll be like, Oh, there's Bob. He's talking to himself like, Hey Bob, you know, it's mm. like, it's, it's very, it's a very accepting, um, society. And it's just so interesting. I'm like, this is great. Like, why don't we just do this? Yeah. You know, let's like do this everywhere. 
yeah, so what that people hear voices, you know, like, it's okay. You have, you know, you have cancer, she has, she hears voices, you know, he has heart disease. Um, I have depression, anxiety, you know, it's, yeah. we're all just kind of dealing with something. It, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I, I love that you keep um, bringing up the fact that it's all just, whether it's cancer, whether it's depression, whether it's schizophrenia, it's all just a thing that's affecting, that's impacting the human condition. Yeah. You know, um, and the, the, the more we recognize that, that um, it's all in the same, and we are all the same, the better we can just relinquish uh, that. I think I think there's fear in things like schizophrenia, um, but I also think uh, to your point about seeking, being curious about things and asking questions and yeah, and uh, empowering ourselves with knowledge. I think a big part of it is ignorance, you know, and and mm-hmm. so you know that's why I love the fact that hi, how are you? foundation exists and the project exists um i I, let's let's talk about that and Mm -hmm. like how how that first uh came into being yeah so um i've got about 10 minutes left with you um we uh you know tom and i met um two years ago and we you know automatically started talking on a higher level, I call it (laughs) just your, um, average conversation. And, and one of the things we talked about was my advocacy for what I deal with, you know, Mm -hmm. what I've dealt with in my life. And, um, he was so moved by it and inspired and he, uh, doesn't deal with anything like that. Um, but he has been the manager of, um, a gentleman named by the name of Daniel Johnston for 26 years. And Daniel Johnston is the, he's an artist and he's a, uh, a musician and some people know him well and some people don't know him. Um, but people like Beck and Flaming Lips and, uh, you know, KG I got to Elfin. see him open for, um, neutral milk hotel. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, and he, he certainly struggles, uh, way worse than what you and I deal with, you know, he's in and out of mental hospitals. Um, but he's this fabulous, you know, amazing person that has triumphed over, you know, what he's been dealt, you know, the card he was dealt, the cards he was dealt. Um, so Tom and I thought, you know, what could we do that could be bigger than just us doing our jobs every day, you know, like, Cause we both, we both agreed that that was something that was important to us, you know? Um, and because Tom is such a, he loves, uh, the Johnston family so much, you know, he's, he's always looking for ways to leave a great legacy behind for Daniel. And we decided that this could be it, you know, like it could be, um, that we start this conversation in Austin and it goes elsewhere about just asking people how they're doing and really meaning it, you know, like, um, really checking in with people and, and then checking in with them again, you know, and, and, um, and making sure, you know, people are going through divorces, they're going through, you know, whatever they're going through. And, 
you just, you just have to be a friend. You just have to check in with them. You know, you don't have to be at there for their every whim, but, um, but it's good to ask and, um, and, and sit with them if they need it. And that's what we wanted to do. So, um, and then we decided, okay, so if, it, if we're going to do that <laughs> and Tom being, you know, um, involved with Austin city limits and running uh, the, the TV show, Austin city limits, we decided together that, you know, um, because we both love music and Daniel is a part of the music scene that we should make it music related. So, um, you know, what better way to get a point across or a message across, um, better than, you know, a concert, you know, where people really enjoy coming to see live music and, um, you know, uh, also, you know, not getting, you don't have to read a book, you don't have to read an article, you don't have to, you know, you just, you just sit and you enjoy music and, um, and you know, you're, you're there for a good cause. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, an admirable pursuit. And I, I think there are so many of us out there that could benefit from a, a, a thing like this. And, and I love the, I love the sort of central conceit of it. The fact that saying hi, how are you, can make a huge impact on people's lives. If it's coming from a place of, of authenticity, if it's coming from a place of like, I want to know how you are doing. I, I am deeply curious because I am a human and you are a human. And let's connect. Yes. And and what what kinds of... Um, uh, what kinds of things are you guys doing now for the project? Um, you know, what's, uh, right what's, now, yeah, what's coming up? Yeah. So we've got, um, we're working on a short little two minute, eh, it's like two to three minute. Um, it's going to be, um, it's a little video. I'm trying to think of how you say it. Like it's, it's actually like shooting someone, um, sitting, uh, in a chair, but there's cartoon characters around him. Okay. <laughs> so because of Daniel's characters, yeah. um, we wanted to, you know, do something fun, but, uh, an interesting way to, to teach people how to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to, you know, post that on YouTube, hopefully before hi, how are you day? And, um, you know, see where it goes. So stuff like that, we want to get into more media and, um, just, spreading a good message and supporting people. You know, we've got, um, so many great people doing good work. Um, you know, NAMI and our local, uh, we have local great people like Sims, uh, who supports artists with mental health issues. Um, and there's so many great people doing so many great things. So we, we also try to contribute when we can. Um, when we get some donations, we try to contribute to certain events that they're having or, you know, that sort of thing. So, that's, that's where we are right now. I mean, we've got a lot coming down the pike, um, you know, such as, you know, planning the big concert for next year and other um, concerts and events. And um, we're going to have a uh, mental health um, fair um, here in Austin that we are going to, you know, we're going to have bands and have people come out and learn how to get help if they need it. Amazing. And, and mm-hmm. hi, how are you day is January 22nd? Yes. Daniel Johnson's birthday. Right. And what, mm-hmm. what is, what, what is that exactly? Do, is it a concert? 
Yeah, it's okay. a flaming flaming lips, uh, yellow tango, um, black angels, Gavin DeGraw, um, the moth and the flame, and built to spill. Wow, that's a all star lineup. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so it's um, it's going to be great. You know, the Austin's um, been great to us and uh we're gonna have our proclamation again this year for hi how are you day and and um and then the texas music office has granted us a proclamation for a hi how are you day as well so awesome. pretty cool well um i know you're short on time so let's uh we'll plug some things at the end but first uh we always wrap up the show talking about empathy heroes okay so these are people in our lives uh who are just great empaths or it could be a fictional character. It could be uh, uh, someone from history. I'll go first to give you uh, a moment to think on that. Uh, my empathy hero this week is Arthur C. Clarke, the author, of course, the science fiction author. And I wanted to read a, qu- a quote from him that I really enjoyed. He says, quote, Whether we are based on carbon or on silicon makes no fundamental difference. We should each be treated with appropriate respect. End quote. Um, you know, obviously, the the he's he's sort of coming from this you know hard sci-fi place, but the truth of the matter is, it's right. You know, we all deserve respect. We all deserve love, no matter our backgrounds, no matter what we're struggling with. We're all feeling humans. So, yeah, I'm giving it up to Arthur C. Clarke as my empathy hero this week. <laughs> How about you, Courtney? Uh, I mean, this is going to sound. Um you know, I'm sure everybody could say this, but I, I truly had a great experience uh, recently with uh, Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think she is magical. I went to the Texas Women's Conference and she spoke. Um, and then I went to um, see her again after that conference at a, um, uh, it's a local um, talk show here in Austin. Um, so I went and saw her there too. And I just love that she is, you know, an empath for the whole world. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. You know, she is, oh, she's just amazing. Like, and she just keeps going, you know, she keeps investigating and I love that. Yeah. She keeps investigating for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it, it's one of my dreams to have her on this podcast someday. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Well, awesome. So, so where, mine. where can people, um, learn more about the Hi How Are You project and Hi How Are You Day. And, and, and honestly, you know, Daniel Johnson, you know, I, 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 I have been listening to Daniel Johnson since I was uh, probably 18, 19 years old. So I, yeah. I know of him um, <laughs> and have known him well and I enjoy his music uh, greatly. So yeah, where can people learn all about that stuff? Well, I mean, the easiest thing is to go online and, um, and uh, just HiHowAreYou.org. Um, is how to find us, you know, the project. And then uh, the other one is .com, which is Daniel's uh, website. And, um, you know, follow us on our socials. And ours is Hi, How Are You project um, for for Facebook and for Instagram. And then Daniel's is Hi, How Are You? Um, And that's how you can find us. We're around. Lovely, lovely. (laughs) Well, thanks for uh, being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. La, la, la.
Oh.